As I've fallen further and further behind in releasing new episodes of our big table, the introduction portions of the episodes are starting to seem oddly out of time and place, especially given the events of the coronavirus pandemic that we're in. Nevertheless, I'm going to continue to put out the introductions in chronological order. That's because I've already got them recorded, and I figured some of you would want to hear about things from back when it was normal, when we weren't all quarantined in our houses. Today's introduction in the Golden Chair Awards segment was recorded at the end of January. Welcome to our big table. This is Jonathan Lamb, and today I'm joined by Archer. Howdy. And uh, uh, Sarah's not joining us today, but we'll still talk about the week a little bit before we move on to um, other segments. We're going to play the What Really Happened game today with Marsha Mon, and of course Elizabeth will give out the Golden Chair Award. Okay, so Archer, I've got this big list of things that happened this week that you were part of. But the one I wanted to talk about first was some changes to your school schedules. So you were telling me that the school has something called a flex schedule. Can you describe what that is a little bit? Because I didn't have that when I was growing up. Yeah. This year, it was brand new. Um, the first semester, the way it was implemented was four 30-minute sections in which you chose when you, you went to lunch, which that would take up a 30-minute section. And then the other three 30-minute sections, you could go elsewhere to other teachers, to um, the courtyard or anywhere else to hang out. It, it was intended as a studying time in which you could get homework done during school or see teachers and ask for help rather than go in before school or stay after school. Mm, I see. So, so, and all of these were in one big block around lunchtime? Correct. Um, unfortunately, there was an incident which um, I, I, I think most students would agree this changed the way Flex was implemented, was there was an um, intruder alert, and it was, turns out it was a system malfunction. Um, but everybody thought there was somebody yes. on, on campus with a gun. A lot of people were worried. Nobody heard anything. Like, well, I, thought, I thought Ava was saying they'd heard gunshots. But it turned out to have been something in the parking lot, like some construction nearby or something along those lines. So nobody heard gunshots because there weren't any. Right, right. But But people thought they heard gunshots. Yes. So a lot of people were like freaked out. Um, There's a big school assembly the following week, like talking about, oh, you're safe in school. We are. I would like to think we are. Um, Lots of messages about we're safe. Um, If you're... Um, worried about this, you should go talk to a counselor and like other things to like talk to other people who will also tell you that you're safe in case you don't believe me. Right. So that significantly impacted the way we did it. So one of the big plans that I uh, was creating during the winter time was a big game of uh, Magic the Gathering. You mean you were going to organize a game of Magic during school? Correct. So I was going to organize a fancy event that would take up the whole time and you'd need to show up and you'd need to bring five dollars and you have to bring your own lunch to eat while you're doing the event and everybody would have a great time and new players who didn't have cards would come away with cards um pro players could kick their butts could come away with more cards and then come away with like um new fancy cards that they wanted so it was going to be a great time, I think. Had you been talking to your friends about it? Yeah, so um, like every Friday I go hang out with them. And uh, we were talking about this after we had been playing a bunch of games. And they all agreed. They had a couple of tips and things they think. Some suggestions for yes, yeah, changing so your plan a little bit. They agreed that this could work. Well, and so it can't work now, though? It cannot work now. The way mm-hmm. they changed it is now there is a assigned lunches. Um, according to your class, which is to say you go to this hour of lunch or you go to your class. And then after that lunch is done, you either go to your, go to your class or come out of your class, go to lunch. So that was the way lunch changed. So that limited us a little bit. Another way it changed was now teachers are allowed to, um, forcibly sign up 
people to go forcibly sign you up. Yeah, well, as at, in at the point of a bayonet. Right. So you have to go to something if they sign you up. Got it. So in the past, students had complete autonomy to choose what they wanted to do during those four blocks. But now teachers have the ability to sign you up for something that you're then expected to attend. And a problem that, that could arise, arise from this, because normally you'd think, oh, you just make sure all your teachers know you're doing something during this time. Well, the problem is, like, some teachers would think, hey, I do need him a little bit, so I'll sign up him up for this pl- flex period, which would take a whole chunk of the flex period. Yeah. So and maybe they maybe they'd done poorly on a quiz or something, and so the teacher thinks they need to go over some material a little more, for example. Right. And yeah. flex period is a great useful time, and maybe they'd rather do that than do it after school or something, which the student might rather do it after school. And the third problem that has arisen, um, which might not end up being the problem, is uh, there is a limit to the number of students that can go to a classroom. Oh, you're saying that the room that you would actually hold your event in, there's a teacher in charge of that room, and then that teacher has indicated the maximum number of students that are allowed in the room? Correct. And Okay, you, how, how many is that, typically? Um, I can't remember, but it was low enough that when I wanted to sign up for one of the sections, I couldn't. I went over and the teacher that was in charge of that club said, actually, I did not intend for there to be a limit. Therefore, you can come and play and I'll okay. try to remove But the limit. timing of everybody's schedules and them being able to commit to something is, is the big complication. Yes, it's been limited severely. So yeah, That's too bad. Yeah. So it, it's looking less and less likely that I'm going to be able to host this event. Maybe I'll still give it a try. It's a modified form of it anyway. Correct. Yeah. Well, um, you may not have had a lot of luck getting your magic event going, but I've seen that you've organized a new D&D session. Correct. So I'd set up a time where everybody comes in and we do all of the preparation work before we actually play the game. Therefore, we can jump right into a game rather than everybody scrambling to do things that should have been taken care of beforehand. Yeah, and then the young men's basketball team that you're part of, the schedule was changed because something was scheduled at the building that we normally would play in. Uh, that meant the game was actually in the afternoon right during your planning session yeah. time, so you weren't able to go to that. Um, that basketball game went pretty well for us. We got killed, I mean, from the score. We got beaten pretty badly, but the previous game that we played, the other team scored a bunch of fast break points So in practice, we worked on getting back on defense and also running out ahead to try and get our own fast breaks. And there wasn't a single fast break point scored on us that entire game. So that was a great success. You know, unfortunately, that team had some bigger players that could shoot really well. Even without fast break points, they were the better team and were able to beat us. But was it clear that it was your team preventing fast breaks? rather than the other team not trying to get not trying to get a fast break no yeah definitely the boys on our team were running back really quick as soon as the ball was rebounded by the other team or if it was stolen they were sprinting back and we actually got a lot of fast breaks on our end too where we would get the ball and then someone would rebound the ball and then another teammate would be running out ahead and they'd be able to throw it out to him we had many opportunities a bunch of opportunities unfortunately our team can barely shoot the ball at all (laughs) they can barely make an open layup So, you know, that's the problem with our team in terms of taking advantage of some of these things is they just can't shoot well. And so, you know, it's challenging to score when you can't shoot the ball. But anyway, the thing that we worked on, um, substantial improvement. So it was really satisfying. And the game was exciting, even though we were down by quite a bit. It was exciting because we had these fast break opportunities. So the boys, they had a chance to score. It was fun. If you aren't familiar with our boys basketball team it's not the best for many years we haven't been the top contender in our uh, league like you were happy to not lose by a ton yeah that's right losing by less than 20 points is a that is, a is good our day. primary goal um, but we still do end up having a good time yeah and- everyone plays very hard and in practice, I give the group things to focus on, and then it's very satisfying to see actually during the game um, people focusing on those things and having success with them. So I think for the practice that we're going to have tomorrow, we're going to focus a little bit on rebounding. 
and will continue to focus on what to do if you're trapped. If you've got the ball and there's someone, two or three people that are crowding you, you shouldn't throw the ball up in the air because it's really easy to get stolen. Despite that, a lot of times in this last game, boys would have some pressure. You know, someone would come up to defend them, and instead of doing a bounce pass uh, or stepping through and passing it, they were flicking it up in the air and it kept getting stolen. So we'll work on that. Yeah, it's fun. None of our boys um, that play are on the high school team. Very few of them play in any organized basketball. And many of the teams that we play against have boys that clearly do play basketball on a regular basis and are part of other teams. Being able to shoot the ball is not the kind of thing you can pick up in a one or two practices a week. You got to put the time in. And, you know, our boys just haven't, haven't done that. So we're never going to be great shooters um, unless someone moves into our group uh, that happens to be a good shot. So it's been pretty good. Well, nobody is shooting high percentages. That's true. Um, Danny is probably shooting when he's open, he's shooting among our best percentages. And then same thing with Owen when he's open, he's shooting pretty good percentages. But it's even that's not great percentages, but those two are shooting pretty well. Yeah. Okay. So the D&D thing, you got ready for that. And then uh, Monday was Martin Luther King's Day. Yep. And so you guys met and played on Monday. Who was you guys, by the way? I, there's a bunch of boys and girls there. Right. Who are they? A majority of the group is uh, people I went to my middle school with who have since moved on to a different high school, but it's very nice to stay in touch with them. And we've continued doing this out of middle school. So that's been around three years now, and I'm very proud of it. Um, our group consists of, should I give names? So we've got Megan. Um, she's probably the most level-headed of the group. She's calm, and she knows what the group should be doing. She's able to pick up on cues really quick. Often, if I need a short break or if I need to go do something else, I actually give her a command. Like, I hand her a section of the book with other parts covered up, and I just say, hey, run this section for everybody else, and then she's able to do that, and it goes pretty smoothly. She's actually Dungeon Mastered with this group before. Um, We've got Justin Sills, who might actually be joining us. Um, He showed heavy interest in joining us when I... For our podcast, you mean? For our podcast. Yeah, we, great. We're planning on doing a D&D segment at some point. Um, he is the most over-the-top and energetic person at times. Yeah, um, I heard him doing accents when I yes. was walked through the room. He is the most charismatic person. He gives his characters depth. I haven't forgotten about basically any of his characters, and it's so entertaining to watch him put tons of energy into all of them. Yeah, he'd be a great guest. I've got a couple stories that I want to... Um... I want to turn him into like radio plays, so maybe we'll get him as an actor for some of my stories. Maybe I he think can, that'd be fantastic. Maybe he can be the the uh, brother for the poop fairy, or maybe yes, he can be the poop yes. fairy. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so yeah, we've anyway. got those two. We've got Peyton. He is very dependable. He is overall probably the most round in the group. He creates strong characters. He is always prepared. He is preparing an adventure to run um and it's clear he's putting a lot of thought into it meaning he'll be the dungeon master correct he's a fantastic guy he's one of the people that hosts at his house also megan and justin host but he is a big host let's see we've got andrew who more recently joined the group more recent means like in the past couple of months so like recent is a very relative term he is getting very heavily invested recently he bought an expensive manual which a couple of us have and it is very useful and he ended up buying that he also got a really fancy set of dice which we are all you gotta have of. fancy dice I mean, to play D D. you don't except you don't no not at all um katarina or my cousin she does her character's actions with enthusiasm the things her character does um is well thought out she's well spoken when she speaks she's put a lot of thought into things she says she's a very very nice asset to our group we've got sicily she initially was invited because she was uh, katarina's friend right correct she's also my friend and she gives the most wonderful accents to her characters she 
also probably has the darkest humor in our group, which is actually quite useful for D&D, because if you have a dark character, you can roleplay your character well to have a dark kind of feeling. It's kind of fun watching her like do these horrible, horrible things, and it's just like, oh, that's that's nice. But this is all well and good, because if you make a character that way, you're you are correctly role-playing your character. So she probably sticks to her character the most. Um, other people in our group, the most recent person is Erin. She's a friend of mine from church, and it turns out many of the people in our group previously also knew her. So it, it was fun, her showing up, and it's just like, oh, you already knew that person. Oh, you already know that person. She has jumped in with vigor, and she is ready to learn, and she already is doing fantastic with her character. She's definitely jumping up in responsibility. Um, the party's characters had to make preparations to go into a jungle, and she was a primary uh, person to work all those details out. Let's see. Uh, we've got Jack, who hasn't shown up recently, but... Everybody loves Jack. Like, whenever he shows up, everybody is happy that Jack is there. He, so is he planning on being part of the campaign? We all hope that he will show up someday. He is busy with so much schoolwork. He takes a lot of challenge courses. He's also in the cross-country team, so he's just constantly busy. I think he also has a job. But when he does show up, everybody's happy that Jack came. And, like, we, everybody remembers the days that Jack came. And let's see, um, Zoe, uh, who is also Katarina's friend, she, very similar to Cicely, she gives good accents, very energetic with her character. Is she going to be coming much, though? I don't think I've seen her. She hasn't been coming um, recently, but we all want Zoe to show up at some point. Yeah. So, okay, so how long is your campaign going to go? How many times will you get together and play this particular... It is likely... We are going to take probably around 30 times to meet. We are running a D&D module, which is a pre-made adventure. It is called Tomb of Annihilation. Older fans of D&D will immediately know this. This uh, module has been recreated many, many times throughout all of D&D's history. Tomb of Annihilation is known for being extremely perilous and dangerous um, to older players. I'm hoping our players will be able to survive. So if you get killed early on, what, are you kicked out of the group? No, we'll, we'll just create you a new character. That's likely what will happen anyways. Um, but the, the problem arises if the whole party dies, because then suddenly you have to start introducing people that's just like, they don't have any ties. Why would they have anything to do with... They wouldn't have the previous knowledge that the other characters had known. You're hoping that the whole group does not die <laughs> in no. one, um, one horrible attack by the blood-sucking would... worms or the um, the poisonous toads of Balroganian. Um, please add this part in, because if anybody in our D&D group listens to this podcast, they will immediately get a huge hint for later on in the final dungeon there is a room in the room there is a golem head there are hints in the chamber but if you touch the right side of the golem head you are immediately sucked into a vacuum to space through that tiny hole and you are immediately killed however if you touch the right side you are teleported to safety so please keep this in if anybody listens if anybody in our group but i think you said the right side for both of them or sorry left side ends up opening a vacuum to space uh right side is safety okay and there's also a chalice of doomed lotion that you can rub on your chafed skin in order to survive the um, the uh, dry skin of Bormar and 
if you wear the armor of itchiness, then you'll need to ensure that you've got a good supply. I have to. I have cream. to add all three of those in. Thanks to you, by <laughs> the way. So you're yes. just, you're just making my job harder here. The soothing cream of creme brulee. Creme brulee. Yeah, yes. something like that. The soothing cream of creme brulee will quickly make an appearance in our D and D. But if you can wear the itchy armor, it's super protective. So you totally want to wear right. the itchy so, armor. Yeah, because it is itchy armor and it's really itchy. But man, you can take a whacking if you got that armor. Oh on. yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. So Delray and Marsha were in town. I think Elizabeth was happy to see them here in town. And we were too. It was great to see Delray and Marsha. They were visiting because Gregory was having a church ordinance. So they came in for that. And because they were here, we got to have dinner with them and talk with them for a while and kind of catch up. They come to visit us a few times each year, but because they live in Idaho, you know, we don't get to see them a whole lot. So it was nice to have them. And Marsha, um, recorded a segment with us last time, a What Really Happened segment. So I thought it would have been nice to have recorded them in person when they were here, but we just didn't have time for it because there was enough other things going on. But yeah, it was it was fun seeing them. Uh, let's see, any other things of note? I guess I had my evolution lab that I mentioned before. Um, oh, you know, let me tell a little story about something that happened today. So today, wait, is it today? It was yesterday. Today is Tuesday. Yesterday was a uh, late start, right? Correct. Okay, so it was yesterday. Oh, yeah. That was okay, great. So Elizabeth, that was fantastic. Um, Elizabeth had to go to work early, or I don't know if she had to, but she agreed to go to work early to help out because the kitchen staff is a little bit short-staffed for some reason. I think some people are sick or, or for what other reason they can't come. Anyway, because she had to go into work a little bit early and... It was a late start day, which means that the school start later than they normally would. It means that she was not home to give the kids a ride to the end of our neighborhood where the bus comes to pick them up. The day before, she'd asked me if I could give you guys a ride, and that's no problem. I mean, it wasn't one nope, big deal no for me. No problem at all. But I do have to get to work at some point, and you needed to be dropped off around 9 o'clock, if I remember correctly. That would make it so that I couldn't get to work earlier than 9 but that turns out to have been fine because I didn't have any meetings earlier than, well, I mean, if it's at nine o'clock, that means I'd get to work at you know, I, I remember you know, 9.45 being or something. I get worried about that because you Yeah, had... I used to have emails from my work that I could get on my personal cell phone, including a calendar, so I'd always know what my schedule was for the next day. The security policies at our work have changed recently, and so they don't want us to have our work emails on personal devices which means if you want to have your email and your calendar at home, you either have to take your laptop home, which if I do that, I'm going to forget it at home. And then I'll get, I'll Has get to work. that happened before? Oh, that just totally happened. I get to work and I'm like, oh crap, I don't have my laptop. Then I drive all the way home and all the way back, which is like a you know 25 minute drive both ways. So that's a real pain in the neck. So Yikes. I'd rather not bring my laptop home unless I need to have it home. And I, I usually don't do any work at home anyway. I've got enough other things to do, like editing audio for this podcast. What? Yeah. That's so anyway, crazy. I'd like to know what my schedule is because if I don't know what my schedule is, then, for example, when Elizabeth says, hey, can you drop the kids off at the bus stop? My answer is, ooh, I think so, but I'm not sure. And I'm just a little bit nervous that I'm missing some meeting I'm supposed to be at, but it's probably okay. Anyway. That's the backdrop. So I woke up, got showered, got ready, came in, um, checked something on my laptop here and uh, here at the big table studio. What a comfortable morning. Yep, it was nice and relaxing. You know, I was also having a good morning that morning. Yeah, you were relaxing too Yeah. in bed, um, as was Ava. So then, you know, it was time to go or a little bit before time to go. So I walked downstairs and say, all right, let's go. And it turns out that Archer and Ava were sound asleep. This is... Two minutes to nine o'clock. I had woken up at seven o'clock, but I went back to sleep. And I just have to say, those were the best two hours of sleep I think I've ever had. Well, I hate to have interrupted you so rudely at two minutes to nine when we're supposed to be at your bus stop two minutes from then. But anyway, you hopped out of bed, I don't know, grabbed some socks. And anyway, you weren't naked when you came out of your room. So you threw some clothes on and uh, hopped in the car. And Ava was not able to get ready that quickly. Um, 
She told me that it would be at minimum 15 minutes before she could possibly be ready. So unfortunately, that meant that she got left at home. So she was not able to go to school that day. I actually got a phone call from the school later in the day. We've noticed that, that your daughter is not attending. And please give us a call. So I called him. And I said, yep, this is, uh, this is John Lamb. They're like, oh, Ava's dad. I'm like, yep. I'm like, well, is Ava sick? I said, nope. <laughs> they said, she had a late start. She was asleep. She couldn't make the bus. And they go, oh, well, will she be in later today? I said, uh, unless you want to give her a ride, she will not be. So I don't know what she missed. Too bad for her. Um, hopefully next time you guys will set your alarm clocks. I Yes, I have actually set a alarm. <laughs> a, a brand new alarm that wake that's at seven o'clock you guys both have at, cell phones like turn your alarms on well Jeez. i do have an alarm that does wake me up tuesday through friday but not on monday because i like to sleep in until seven o'clock and then i woke up at seven o'clock but then i knew it was a late start date therefore i could sleep in an extra two hours yep comfortable in the knowledge that someone would come and wake you up with plenty of time oh yes yeah well <laughs> didn't happen yeah, that was hilarious. Hopefully nothing too bad happened as a consequence of Ava not being able to be at school, but I assume it'll all work out. She's a smart girl. She can make up her missed assignments. Okay, well, let's see. I think that's about it for what I've got in my list of things that we did. And so let's move on to our next segment. So what really happened? So what really happened? So, what really happened? On today's episode, we play the What Really Happened game with Marsha Mon. Marsha is Elizabeth's mother, and she told us about a summer from her college years when her travels kept intercepting with an Olympic athlete named Jean-Claude Keeley. Now, Jean-Claude Keeley won three gold medals in the 1968 Olympics that took place in France. And Marsha actually was studying in France. She was doing a semester abroad when the 1968 Winter Olympics took place. Okay, because it's a What Really Happened episode, you listeners are going to get a chance to guess how the third encounter ended. Sarah is not joining us today, so Elizabeth is going to play on her behalf. Marsha and Elizabeth, since you haven't done one, the What Really Happened segment goes like this. We will hear a story from any point in your life that you'd like to tell us and you okay. know, give us some background, you know, set the stage a little bit. And then at some point, okay. you're going to stop telling us the story when something is about to happen. And then we have to mm -hmm. guess what the next thing is that's going to happen. Elizabeth, it's possible she's already heard these stories, so she would have an advantage. And if that's the case, Elizabeth, then, yeah. then you yeah, just I'll don't just, guess. Yeah, I'll just sit out. Yeah, and if I've heard it already too, then I will also not guess, which means it would only be Archer that would be guessing. Who is usually actually pretty good at predicting things uh, that would happen. Not last me. time. Yeah. yeah, Last time I did very poorly. Me yeah, and Archer. Sarah both did. Archer and Sarah both got schnookered last time, although they both guessed different answers and they both guessed the wrong answers. So, Marsha, but even if oh. even if Archer um, is the only one that's actually guessing, that's fine because when people are listening to it, then they'll be able to guess too. Okay. Um, in 1968, now keep in mind I'm 71 now. In 1968, when I was 20, almost 21, I um, went to a semester abroad in France with BYU and was actually there during the Winter Olympics, which I didn't get to um, go to, but lived in a chateau very, very close to the ski resort where Jean-Claude Keeley won his three gold medals that year, which was an astonishing feat. Okay, so you're going to probably have to tell us a little bit about Jean-Claude Keeley. So who is he? Jean-Claude Keeley, he was a French skier. He still is. He's still alive. He still skis a lot. He he keeps his skis at Mittenman Romney's home in Park City when he comes to the States. Um, he's a very nice man. And I was so lucky to be in France at that time. And there were a lot of things going on. That was the year that a lot of students around the world protested. 
especially in Paris and close to where you guys are. I forget the date. And students were actually shot and killed. Maybe Michigan? I'm just trying to give you a little bit of background of history. Also that year, and I never saw Jean-Claude Keeley, and I certainly knew his name from the papers and radio and just what an amazing thing he'd done while I was in France. Some friends and I actually took a train to a resort called Val d'Isere, which is where Jean-Claude Keeley was from, and that's where he did most of his training. And we went up there and we skied for a weekend. We had a wonderful time. That fall, my mother um, and father took my brother, sister, and myself to Hawaii for a week's vacation. My father had been to Hawaii several times on business, but my mother and my siblings had never been there. So I was a big deal. We had a nice room right on Waikiki Beach, a nice hotel. Marsha, was that your first time to go as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just 20, almost 21. So my sister was a very pretty girl. In fact, she was a model. Even though she was five years younger than I was, she'd been tagged on the street one time. This woman said, you need to come model for my agency. My sister and I were walking down to the beach to meet my parents for breakfast. And we spotted my parents' table right on the beach, and they were having a lovely meal with my brother. And I looked around, and the table right next to them was sitting Jean-Claude Keeley with another Frenchman, I assume, um, maybe his manager, I don't know. But they were, they were right there. My, my sister's name is Marlene. I said, Marlene, can you believe that? There, Jean-Claude Keeley, right there next to my parents. Did she recognize him as well? She did, yep. And so I went and sat down by my parents, and I tried to discreetly tell my parents who they were sitting next to, probably eight feet away. And <laughs> my father is a businessman, very friendly, knows no strangers. He immediately got up, went over, introduced himself to them in a very polite manner, and told them that I had been in Grenoble when Jean-Claude was getting his gold medal. Well, to his credit, instead of brushing my father aside, Jean-Claude was very friendly to him, very kind. My mother embarrassed the heck out of me. She said, speak French, speak French. <laughs> my French is not good. Just what you want, having having your mom <laughs> telling you to perform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a little bird in a cage. So I did, and I'm sure it was very messed up, but he, he and his friend, I didn't even see a snicker. They were so kind. So that's what happened in Hawaii. Um, I have to bring up this point, too. That was another world history fact. There was a Hong Kong flu was rampant around the world. At that time, hundreds of thousands of people died from it. My poor mother, right after we got to Hawaii, contracted it. She was very sick, and she was actually the one that had paid for the trip. She worked as a secretary in Denver for a TV station. She worked for the manager, as a matter of fact. Anyway, a doctor was called to a hotel room. Um, She spent the whole rest of the week in bed, and I still feel bad for her for that. So that was in um, August. In November of that year, we lived in Denver, and Dean was my life. I just loved it. And I was BYU, but I must have been home for the weekend, and I had my own car, and I'd driven up to a resort called Vale. You've probably heard of it. And I was skiing by myself that day, and I got my keys out of the car, put them over my shoulder, and headed toward the gondola. And I... Uh, amazingly so, Bale was not very crowded that day. And as I'm heading toward the gondola, I look over, and there walking by himself is Jean-Claude Keeley. And he's walking with his skis, too. We need to play some music right here. Dun-dun! Something like that. Yeah, really? And so I I had a little bit of courage, and I walked up to him, and I said, Jean-Claude, I said, do you remember me? And he looked at me for about 30 seconds, and he said, yes, how is your father? 
He was so kind, and we just chatted for, you know, maybe all of 60 seconds and then left. So that was the second time I met him. And then the third time was about a year or two later. He was in Denver signing autographs at a, a store that sold ski equipment, ski clothing, really rich store. And they invited the public to come and meet him or have him sign an autograph for them. So I thought, well, what the heck, I'll go again, third time. And I did, I waited in line, and I got up to him, and I just spoke a little bit of French. And he looked, looked up at me. Okay, I'm pausing the story here to challenge you, the listeners, to guess what happens next. So listen to the following options and try to guess which one really happened. Option number one. After Marsha greeted him in French, Jean-Claude Keeley looked up but did not recognize her. He said something polite in French and then signed his autograph, and she moved on. Option number two. Jean-Claude Keeley looked up at Marsha, paused a moment, and then said, Oh, it's great to see you again. He asked her to step to the side so he could finish signing autographs, and after he was done, she went to dinner with him and his friends. Option number three. Jean-Claude Keeley looked up and immediately recognized Marcia. He politely invited her to go to dinner with him that evening, but Marcia unfortunately had to decline because she already had a date with Denver Collins, who was Judy Collins, the famous singer's brother. Okay, so you need to guess if Jean-Claude, one, did not recognize Marcia, or two, Marcia went to dinner with Jean-Claude and his friends, or three, Marcia had to turn down Jean-Claude's invitation because she already had dinner plans with Denver Collins, who is Judy Collins' brother. Okay, as Marcia was telling us this story, she casually worked in a made-up situation earlier in the story. And since Elizabeth and I were familiar with the story, we were very surprised. Marcia totally fooled all of us. And I've put that made-up part of the story and our reactions to it at the end of this episode, you know, after the joke. Um... It's pretty funny. Since Marsha fooled us earlier on, we didn't get a chance to guess what happened next, so you, dear listeners, will guess now, but we will count Archer, Elizabeth, and my failures to immediately identify Marsha's earlier lie as a loss. Okay, back to the story. You know who Judy Collins is? Isn't that an yeah, actress? No, she's, she's a, a singer. A singer, yeah, that's right. A famous singer, and she actually had a a really cool album out while I was in France. I bought it in France. I loved it. Anyway, she um, had a brother named Denver Collins, and we went to school together at the same high school, and he asked me out on a date one time and then stood me up. Never came. Oh. So that was kind of interesting. Jean-Claude Keeley would never do that to someone. No, he wouldn't. He was a true gentleman. Okay, I tricked you. All right, I'll give you the real answer now. Here it comes. And they invited the public to come and meet him or have him sign an autograph for them. Well, I thought, well, what the heck, I'll go again, third time. And I did, I waited in line, and I got up to him, and I just spoke a little bit of French. And he looked, looked up at me. I waited in line, and I got up to him, and I just spoke a little bit of French. And he looked looked up at me, and I don't think he recognized me. He looked at me and he says, hello, Ben. Signed my paper, and then I had to move on. So that was my amazing year of Jean-Claude TV. I guess there's some athletes that I would recognize if I saw them in person. Probably mostly NBA players. (laughs) Yeah. I don't you know, hardly, no, nobody recognizes his name unless they're older. As I said, I'm 71, so it was a long time ago in 68. Well, but like you said, this was the time of the Olympics and you know, three gold medals, and plus you were really into skiing, so that completely makes sense yeah. that you would recognize him. It would be um, the same as if you swam a lot and yeah. you Michael Phelps. Yeah, exactly. We were watching TV one night, and Doe and I both looked at each other and went, Oh, man, I miss skiing so much. I'd really like to be able to do that again, but both of us had knee problems. We couldn't. 
So uh, have um, you totally put that aside now, Mom? Oh, I had to when I um when you had your knee last replacement. Time I did was when I took a really hard fall on my hip. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I thought I knocked myself out. It took me a while to look alive. It was such a hard hit; it cracked my boot in half. Oh my goodness! And yeah, it it was bad. I had my whole right backside turned black and blue, and I got this huge hematoma the size of a softball. I could feel it bleeding inside, and the uh, ski patrol guy came up and said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "Well, I think I'm bleeding." And mm. I didn't say inside; I just said, I'm, "I know I'm bleeding." He said, "Well, you you better get to the patrol station." And and by that time, Dory was helping me up. Rats. Do you think they have something like a toboggan or like a ski chair or something that would be fun for people that enjoy skiing? Oh, like the people who are who don't have legs that ski on those little bicycles. Marcia, <laughs> I was thinking more like people who have bad knees. Um, there's got to be a lot of people mm-hmm. like yourself that love skiing, and no matter how carefully you take care mm-hmm. of yourself, you know, as, as you're knees start to deteriorate there's just not much you can do um yeah, so you're just left with sledding for you john <laughs> well do you think you would enjoy that though if there was a ski chair or a uh, not a toboggan exactly but something that was um, mm. comfortable to sit in and supported you probably, appropriately probably, well i don't think so i think it's to it me it's you know same. it's the strength and the endurance to be able to go for miles and miles just so, no, I don't think so. Plus, I hate the cold, as you know. If you had a ski chair, you could have a heated ski chair. <laughs> Why not, right? There you go. <laughs> that would be. It wouldn't be the same, though. You're right. So, next life. I'm hoping we can ski in heaven. Can you tell us a story okay. about um, the date that you went on that you got out of the car and it rolled down the hill? Oh, that's. I'm not very proud of that one. What? It I wasn't intentional. So I know about this story. <laughs> I, I would have been superbly was, proud of it. Oh, uh, you know, I was dating this very nice young man, and his mother was a widow, beautiful woman. She was Albanian and black hair and just stunningly beautiful. Anyway, she had a writing business. They had a ranch there with, I don't know, 10 or 15 horses, and she had a ranch hand that worked for her. She had a son my age who we started dating, and he lost his license for the summer. I don't know what he did. I thought he was a good driver. So he loaned me his really cool little sports car, and I honestly can't remember what it was, but it was red, and it was you know didn't have a top. It was lots of fun. There is, Marcia, there is a stereotype <laughs> that women don't know what kind of car it is. They just know that it's red. <laughs> yeah, it was red. Actually, I think that would more accurately describe me. Uh, we were at his house, and his mother called out to him. She said, get in here for a minute. And so he jumped out of the car and headed for the house, and I did too. And we were up on the top of this little hill. I didn't even think to put on the brake. And so I followed him in, and the car rolled down the hill. And I forget what, I don't think the damage was too bad, but it was bad enough that couldn't be driven until it got fixed. So I can't believe he kept dating. You know, Marsha, the um, last couple times that I've driven with Archer, he is very, very careful about putting the parking brake on. Archer's actually a very careful driver generally. Um, I bet he is. Yeah, I bet he is. So in addition to when he's driving, he's also very conscientious about putting the parking brake on, which I don't ever do. No, he doesn't either. And it drives him nuts that I do. I put it on even in the garage. Yep. Marsha, that's what I was going to say next was putting the parking brake on in the garage drives me nuts. Because um, the problem with this is that I'm the one that drives the car almost, it's almost always me. And now that Archer has occasionally begun to drive it, um, if he were to put the parking brake on, I I mean, I'm just going to assume it's not on. So then I start trying to back the car up or drive it, and it's, you know... I'm, it doesn't I'm, go. Right, I'm damaging the brake is what I'm doing. And so that's uh, that's why it bothers me, because there's no point in putting a parking brake on in an automatic car, you know, automatic transmission in the garage, 
Well, but and then you developing hear stories the habits. like these. Yes, stories so, like these are making me look bad, Marsha. I don't know what to say because <laughs> I heard this story. So I heard this story um, before I learned to drive. And then my mom was just like, you can always use a parking brake. You don't have to, but you can. And so I learned mm. to drive mostly with mom. Yeah, and, and you hear me going, what in the world are you putting that brake on for, Archer? Well, You're going to make me ruin it. <laughs> right, absolutely. I tried to explain myself, and you know, it's very reasonable that the parking brake is not needed in almost like 99% of situations. Well, especially like, with an automatic transmission. Yeah, especially with something uh, that has automatic brakes like that. But if you're parking or braking on top of a hill. Absolutely, but in those cases, you uh, very aware of it and but even then even you'd have then, to be a pretty steep hill for the automatic transmission to let the car slip and hopefully you're parking with um your wheels turned to the correct way so even what if, what? what yeah no, i know well, i'm just kidding well, you, you, yeah, <laughs> something <laughs> else something about. else i don't do my goodness that was part of his driving test it was part of my driving test you know, I passed that test pretty well. On the first try. Good. I'm proud of you, Archer. Archer, I've never been in a car accident while I'm parked. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Well, count your, count your blessings, Jeff. <laughs> Actually, let me think really carefully to make sure that's true. Just a minute. I got to think you this through. You were stopped. <laughs> and then you, you started backing up. But there was a car behind us. So I, I did, let's see, I got rear-ended. When we did not go through a um, a yellow oh, light, yeah. Once. When we did not run a red light, um, yeah. there's that bus, that bus that backed up into you. Oh, that's right. And that smashed were, my car up. Yeah, and yeah, that's you right. Were, you were sitting still. Yeah, that happened to me, Marsha. I was stopped. I've been hit twice when I'm stopped. Dang it! <laughs> Ew. Wow. Once that, a bus backed up into me, a liar. That's what we have as our host. Well, <laughs> I don't, at least I wasn't parked. I was just stopped. Once I get into the parking lot and stop the car, then well, I'm now, safe. Now we have to question if that's true. No, actually, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, has anyone ever that. bumped oh, into yeah. my car at the parking lot? I, anyway. Now, it's time for the Golden Chair Award. This award is given each week by my mom, Elizabeth Lamb, to a person that was really helpful, truly caring, or made her happy. The winner gets to sit with us in the golden chair at our big table for that week or at least until the next award is given. Even if you don't win the golden chair, there are plenty of seats with us at our big table and you're always welcome to join us. So as you're aware, Marsha, every episode of our big table, someone gets the golden chair award. Now, you happen, by the way, Marsha, you may not have known this about me, but I am a two-time golden chair award winner. Yes, I thought you might be. Um, Archer, doing his best. He's got one golden chair award. Got one golden chair under my belt. Yep, but more to come. Mm-hmm. He's he's learning the ways. And uh, there is one other person who has also received two golden chair awards. So I've got competition to be the top winner. All right, Elizabeth's back. Okay, so what do you have to what do you have to do to get the golden chair award? Um, generally it's people who have done something to help us or have done something oh, really great. kind or thoughtful, something that, that we noticed that is like, oh, you know what? That was really awesome. But this is Elizabeth's uh-huh. award to, uh, to give Marsha. So things that are for her are more likely to win than just, you know, nice things for the family. Although she does care about our family. So I've noticed she has given awards uh, multiple times now to people that have helped their family. But I'm just noting that to you because <laughs> if you did want to win the Golden Chair Award, I suspect sending her flowers. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, that might you work. You just stop right there. Chocolate, um, that yeah. <laughs> fancy cheese package that we got for Christmas. That was pretty cool. I, I bet if you send her flowers, you just might win. Mm, okay. He, he doesn't understand right. where I'm going with this. Okay, so this week, for our golden chair, we had a fairly quiet week. Um, Just the way not, you like it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> not, not too much craziness went on. So, um, first we have a shout out to Dr. Miles, our school superintendent. Thank you for 
erring on the side of caution. And oh my goodness. Calling a snow day. What a joke. We all appreciated it. Maybe you Pan- didn't. Pansy superintendent. Was that today? No, it was last Friday, but... We had some light okay. rain. Well, the weather forecast, mm-hmm. even the National Weather Service kept saying we were going to get hit with ice, and it was going to be happening it, around the time yeah. that school buses would be taking children home. Don't count your chickens before they In the next they couple days, you're going to get more. Yeah, we'll get more. Yep. So, let's see our next. Ava has made some delicious soup for our family. Yeah, that was pretty good. Let's oh, good. see. It was mushroom soup. Yeah, well, totally it had, vegan. It had lots of vegetables in it. Yeah, totally tasty. Oh, okay. Send me the recipe. All right. Let's see. John has started coaching basketball again for the young men oh, at good. our church. And he does a great job mm. of helping the boys understand uh, how to play better. And this last Saturday, mm. he was able to see, they were all able to see results from the drills that they practiced. They were able to um, have some really good improvement. We've continued our perfect season I'm, of zero wins and two losses. But it oh, wasn't. I'm, that's awesome, though, John, that you're doing that. Yeah, we got um, the previous week, the other team got a whole bunch of fast break points. And I had this epiphany Uh as we were talking about it, which is our church's gym is this little tiny gym. And we play at the stake center, which has a full size gym. So we're just not used to thinking about running to the other side before the other team does. And so we practiced that. (laughs) And last week's game, we had zero points scored on us by fast breaks. No, we still got trounced. But we had a great time oh. getting trounced. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Oh, good. I'm happy for those boys. Yeah, they played great. They played hard. They ran hard. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was not able to go to that uh, basketball game because that was, an, that yeah, was actually, the, it, it was stick. weird. So Archer was really great this week about bringing up no, firewood. No. He can't get another one. Multiple times without complaint. Always cheerful. And uh, that's not true. I, you don't complain to me. Uh, I mean, uh, don't I? He just writes angry things in his journal. I, I complain in the manner <laughs> that I ask you to like ask me beforehand, but okay. But you still do it. I still do it. I, I you got me there. Okay, and this was a real sign of his maturity. He was hoping to go to a big Magic the Gathering card premiere at the game store on Friday. He had been looking forward to it for, I think, a couple weeks. And when time came, I was looking at the weather. Everything indicated that the roads were icy. Our driveway certainly was very icy. And so and the I, superintendent thought it was icy. They had canceled school. So I said, I don't want you to go. And mm-hmm. he was respectful about that. And at least uh-huh. to my face, didn't okay. get upset. I got, I got upset a little bit to your face when dad came home and he was just like, the roads are fine and stuff. <laughs> but Because they were fine. But then when a friend of mine told me that her son's car had slid off the road about the same time that you would have been on the road, like I'm... That's true. It was getting colder. Mm -hmm. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, when I drove home, it was, you know, not the middle of the night. That is true. I would have been driving... I would have been driving home at about 10 o'clock. Yeah. Okay. I'm proud of you, Archer. Good job. But I am... Giving this week's Golden Chair Award to Sarah. Yay, Sarah. Woo! And for her being... How unfortunate she's not here. <laughs> so responsible. She has been asked by two different families to take care of their pets um, morning and night while they're out of town. And she is very good about getting up early to go take care mm. of them and to make sure that she takes care of them in the evening and in the pay her, I, I hope. Yes, they do. Yeah, they pay her. One of the families pays her more than enough. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I yeah. argue with them that it's a little too much. She's well compensated okay. for her effort. Yes. 
especially considering it's a low-skill job. <laughs> but, but it's a matter of remembering to do it. It's a matter of life yeah. and death. Well, to the cats yeah. it is. That's what the cat says. Hi, this is Sarah's weekly joke. So Tom turned to his friend and said surreptitiously, Hey, let's go steal some pancakes. <laughs> That's a joke I wrote myself. I've actually got some ideas around to improve it. Uh, let's go steal some pancakes. Hey, let's go steal some pancakes. Tom, Tom said surreptitiously. <laughs> <laughs> I like that much better. I love it. That's, that's my original version of it. I, hey, I, let's go steal some pancakes. Tom, Tom said, said surreptitiously. Yeah. We should do it that way. Okay. Hey, let's go steal some pancakes. Tom said surreptitiously. Nice. Big vocab word. Look it up if you don't know it. Surreptitiously. Okay, bye. My sister and I were walking down to the beach to meet my parents for breakfast. And we spotted my parents' table right on the beach, and they were having a lovely meal with my brother. And I looked around, and the table right next to them was sitting Jean-Claude Keeley with another Frenchman. They were right there. My, my sister's name is Marlene. I said, Marlene, can you believe that? There, Jean-Claude Keeley, right there next to my parents. Did she recognize him as well? She did, yep. And so we went and sat down by my parents, and I tried to discreetly tell my parents who they were sitting next to, probably um, eight feet away. And <laughs> my mother embarrassed the heck out of me. She said, Speak French, speak French. <laughs> so um, I did, and I'm sure it was very messed up, but he, he and his friend, I didn't even see a snicker. They were so kind. I have to bring up this point, too. That was another world history fact. There was a Hong Kong flu was rampant around the world. At that time, hundreds of thousands of people died from it. My poor mother, right after we got to Hawaii, contracted it. She was very sick. Anyway, she a doctor was called to a hotel room. Um, she spent the whole rest of the week in bed. And I still feel bad for her for that. Um, so that's that part of the story. And then do you want to ask me any questions about that segment? So you're saying something crazy mm -hmm. happened up next? Yes, a tsunami. We were right on the beach, and a tsunami came. Wait, was that? And everyone had to had to run. We um, had to vacate the tables and go into the hotel. This is when you're sitting next to Jean Claude Keeley, right? Yeah. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. So seriously, I didn't hear. I've never heard this part of the story. So, but that, that could have been your question for us. <laughs> what do you think happened next? A, a tsunami. Oh, B, we got ice okay. cream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I didn't understand it. I thought I had to tell a lie, and you would. <laughs> oh, got it. So that didn't happen. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. That, right. So that didn't happen. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. What? <laughs> um, Okay, okay, so well, hold on. on, hold on. So I need to predict what's going to happen next. Well, just a minute. Let's see if Marsha yes. is going to do. So there's going to be some other things that happen in the story. Um, do you want us to try and guess them now, or do you want to tell some more and have us guess what happens later? I'll tell you some more, and then we'll come back to visit the three okay. times that I saw him. Okay. So that was kind that. of my, my year of celebrities. <laughs> That's the end of my story. Excellent. And my mother did survive the flu, fortunately. And she survived the tsunami. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and several other things. <laughs> Marsha, you really, you should have seen the three of us are going, a tsunami? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth looked sorry, really Elizabeth. confused. It's <laughs> <laughs> about the time I got out of my days. Just like, oh, tsunami. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> and as I said, he still skis in America. I think mostly in 
Well, I, I bet he skis Colorado and Utah, and that he's good friends with Ann Romney, and was in my group of BYU students, mostly girls that were on that semester abroad. And she was not a member of the church at that time. And she was there because Mitt was on a mission in Paris. And I think she just wanted to be close to him, which is kind of against the rules, but that's what she did. I remember her very proudly telling me one day, I am going to marry Mitt Romney. And I thought, well, you go, girl. So, and she did. (laughs) 